Hey, real quick before you begin this message, we didn't record this in our normal space, so the audio quality is not up to uh, our standards. So we wanted to apologize for that, but we still want you to enjoy uh, the message. Hey, y'all give our band one more, one more. That was really good, really good. I love, love getting to do some worship with y'all on a Wednesday night. Um, how y'all doing today? Y'all have a pretty good Wednesday? Yeah? That's awesome. Y'all didn't sound too thrilled about it, but it's cool. It is cool. All right, I've had a great Wednesday, um, so that's good. All right, so tonight we are continuing in our Jesus Is series. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at how Jesus is both fully man and how he is also both fully God. All right, and we kind of talked about that, looked through scripture, um, and learned how Jesus was fully both, right? He, he had the same feelings as a human, um, but he had the same power of a God. Last week, Mr. Brian spoke to us about how Jesus is also our shepherd, all right? He wants to lead us, he wants to protect us, he wants to guide us uh, down the path that he has set for us. And this week, we're just going to uh, be looking at how Jesus is Lord, all right, and now this term, uh, the word Lord, it is thrown around a lot in Scripture. It's thrown around a lot in Christian language. But, but what does the word Lord really mean? And it can be hard to kind of differentiate the, the meaning of Lord and God or the meaning of King and Lord, right? You hear them all, you kind of just think like this, this superior figure, this figure that we follow. And the word Lord is translated from different Hebrew and Greek words in Scripture, But when you look at the simple definition of the word Lord, it is simply superiority to all others. When we use the word Lord, it is used in the Bible as describing Jesus as superior than all others, all other people. Essentially, Lord means superior. So when we we, we exclaim that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that he's superior, right? He's more superior than me. He's more superior than you. He is more superior than this world. And when we pray and we start out by saying, dear Lord, we are saying that he is superior in our life, right? Because when we go, when we pray, when we go to talk to God, that's our relationship with him. That's how we ask him to help us with things. That's how we thank him. So when we address him as Lord, we are saying that he is superior in our lives. So I want to take a look at how we know Jesus is Lord. I want to take a look at scripture here. Um, And we're going to kind of bounce around a few different passages right here. um, And then we'll come back and talk about talk about something else at the end, but I want to look at how we know that Jesus is our Lord. All right, first we, we see that Jesus is Lord by God's authority. All right, that's one of the, that's one of the um, one things you see in Scripture about Jesus being Lord, is that it was done by God's authority. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus claimed all authority. He said, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All right, so here in Matthew, we see that Jesus is claiming this authority, right? He's, he's telling some group of people about it. We see that he received his authority from God and that he was given this authority because of his, of his death on the cross and later resurrection. Philippians 2, 5 through 9 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All right, so here in Philippians, we see that, that Jesus was given, he was granted this authority by God because of his death on the cross. All right, so we see that Jesus is Lord because of God's authority. We also can see through Scripture Jesus' lordship through his miracles, right? We can see it through the power that he has. If you remember uh, back to the definition, Lord means to be superior to all others, all right? And part of being superior is having power, right? It's having more power than the people around you. And we can see that through Jesus' miracles. We see that Jesus had the power over nature. In Matthew 8, 26 through 27, it says, But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? All right, so here in Matthew, we see Jesus, he basically tells the seas and winds what to do. Right, he, he stands up and he rebukes them and, and they, they listen. And right, even this dude standing there and he's amazed. He's like, bro, did y'all see that? He was like, that dude, that dude just talked to the wind. Right, he just talked to the sea. He just told it to leave and it did. So we see that Jesus has power over nature. He also had power over disease. Right, we see many stories, many miracles throughout the New Testament where Jesus has done some sort of healing. Um, one, one that comes uh, directly to my mind is, is the story of the lady who touches Jesus' cloak. Right? She's following him through this, through this crowd, and she thinks to herself, if I can just get up to Jesus and put my hand on him, he will have enough power to heal the disease that I have. And she goes up and she touches him, and he feels the power move out of her, but he turns around and he talks to her. Right? And she, she explains why she did what she had did, and he tells her, go on. He said, because of your faith, you have been healed. Right? And we see the power over disease that Jesus has in that story. In Mark 9, 25 through 27, we also see that Jesus had the power over demons. All right? It says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he came as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. All right, so we see that Jesus has, even has the power over demons here. Right? He, he rebukes the demons out of this man. And then another, another piece of power we see Jesus have throughout the New Testament is we see the power that he has over death. Right? If you know the story of Lazarus, Lazarus was one of Jesus' closest friends. Right? And Lazarus dies. Um, Lazarus was very sick. All right, and they reached out to Jesus and told Jesus. He had known about this. And they wanted Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. All right? And Jesus kind of takes his time. He's, he's off somewhere else and he's teaching. Um, but he, he finally gets to Lazarus. And when he gets to Lazarus' house, it's been four days since Lazarus has been dead. Right? It's been four days since he's, since he's died. And everyone there is, you know, they're blaming Jesus. And um, Lazarus' sister Mary looks at Jesus. And if you were just here a few days ago, you could have saved him. You could have saved my brother Jesus. Right? But we see the power that Jesus has here because he walks in and he tells Lazarus to get up. And he does. And he gets up and he walks out the tomb. He still has all his little mummy toilet paper gear on and just walks right out the tomb. 
Alright, and we see Jesus' power over death in this story. You know, and then if you if you keep reading a little bit longer, you'll see it, you'll see it later in the story as well. Right? And you'll get to see how Jesus dies on the cross for our sins, but then three days later defeats death and comes back. Right? We see that Jesus has this incredible power over death. We also see that Jesus is Lord over all creation. Right? We see that through scripture. We see that he is supreme over everything. Right? Jesus has supremacy over everything, everyone. He is over all creation. Philippians 2, 9-11 through says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All right, so we see that Jesus also, he has supremacy, like he has superiority over all of creation, everything and everyone. And as we, as we look at how Jesus is Lord, we can also be at peace in knowing that, that his lordship, right, his superiority, it, it has no, no time barriers, right? There's, there's no barrier in the time that Jesus is going to be our Lord. Right? He has always been our Lord. Colossians 1, 16-17 says, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities. We're going to go with that. I know the word, okay, y'all? I, just, I have a speech problem sometimes. It's, just don't worry about it. Or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consistent. You want to hear something funny? I was going over this earlier and I had the same problem. And I was telling myself, you've got to be able to say this word tonight or they're going to laugh at you. And now you're laughing at me. So it's cool. It's cool. But we see that Jesus has always been Lord. Right? We know that he is our Lord right now. We see him working around us. I just saw him work through the worship that has happened here tonight. Right? We see Jesus working around us. We know that he is our Lord right now as well. And we also get to know that he will always be our Lord. Ephesians 1, 20 through 21 says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality. Here it is again, y'all. Principality. And power and might and dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in the age, but also in that which is to come. Alright, so looking, looking through all these different scriptures, talking about how, how Jesus is Lord from God's authority, right? His power, He's over all creation. He has no time barriers, right? And it's, it's all a lot of interesting stuff. It's a lot of cool stuff, right? And it's, it's kind of interesting to look how Jesus has become Lord of our lives. And we see that He is definitely superior, right? When it comes to us, other people you know. But why is that important to us? All right, I want to transfer, I want to transfer in this, in this looking at why is this important for us, right? We know that he is Lord, but why do we need to know that? And I want to look in at Romans uh, 5 or 10, 5 through 13. I'm going to start Romans 10, 5 through 8. It says, for Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? 
that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near to you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You guys, the people of Israel, way, way back in the Bible, right? Back, back at the end of the Old Testament, coming up on Jesus' death. These people of Israel, they were not saved by their works or by the law, right? God, God tried that, and it didn't work. Um, I've actually, I actually read something um, in one of my classes um, a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of interesting to me. Um, he, it was kind of looking at the law and then uh, the new covenant that was brought by Jesus and being able to be saved through salvation. He was kind of looking at those things, and he, he was talking about how he believes that God created the law to show us that we cannot earn salvation by ourselves. Right? God knew all along that he was going to have to send Jesus to die for us. But he created that law so that we could see that we needed that. That we could see that we had sin in our lives and we could not follow that. But these people of Israel, they weren't saved by their works. They weren't saved by a bunch of rules. But they were saved by the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Right? We as Christians are not saved by anything we do. But we are saved by the sacrifice that Jesus made. When he died for our sins and then rose three days later for victory over death. And what Paul is telling us here is that we don't, we don't need to bring Jesus down to us. right? We don't, we don't have to have Jesus come here because he's already came here. right? We don't have to dive into the depths to find Jesus because he's already, he's already died on the cross and rose again for our sins. We have the message of grace that is in Jesus Christ. Because it has been delivered to us. Because he brought it to us. Right? And this has been a message that we've had available for us for generations. Right? The gospel was available a long time ago. It's available now and it will be available for a very long time. Jesus is a providing Lord. Right? Jesus has came and he has provided us everything we need to have a relationship with him. To follow him. To impact others like he did. To lead others to him. He has provided us with all of that. We just have to choose him as our Lord. right? We have, to, we have to want him to be Lord. We have to want him to be that superior be, being in our lives. I want to finish reading verses 9 through 13. And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made up into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I think back to, to my days when I was y'all's age, when I was around 16, 17 years old, I remember craving a lot of freedom, right? I, I craved, I wanted freedom. I wanted freedom from my parents. I wanted freedom from responsibility. I wanted freedom from uh, my brother. I wanted, I wanted to be free to do what I wanted to do. And that's understandable at that age, right? At that age, you're becoming very independent. You start figuring out who you are, what you want to be, right? You kind of start seeing the difference between you and the other people in your life, 
right? You get more, you get more freedom in school. You become more independent in that. You normally get your keys around that age, so you're starting to drive. You're going places. You're hanging out with friends. You have more freedom given from your parents, and you can get you can get wrapped up in just wanting and living in that freedom, right? Doing doing what Blake wants to do all the time. But one thing I learned, and I'm I'm really I'm really glad I learned it at a at a younger age, and it's that freedom is not is it's not actual. Freedom, freedom is a perceived trait. And what I mean by that is you look at a lot of things, and a lot of things look like freedom, but usually it's not. You see, guys, to live without a master, to live in complete freedom, it's very appealing, right? You can do what you want to do. You don't have to have anybody boss you around, right? It's always, it's always your way. It can be very appealing to live in that freedom. And I tested the boundaries when I was a kid, and oftentimes I still test the boundaries in this right now in my life. But in reality, we are never truly free from the masters in our life. No matter how, no matter how many times your mom and dad lets you take the car out, no matter how long you can stay out, how free you feel in your life, you are never fully free from the masters in your life. Scripture tells us that we are either a slave to our own sin or we are a slave to righteousness. You see, we think that we can find freedom, we think that we can find fullness in things of this world, right? Whether it's through social media, whether it's through parties, relationships, sports, you know, schoolwork, whatever it may be, we think we can, it could be, it'd be very hard to find freedom through schoolwork, by the way. Um, but, but keep, we can find freedom in a lot of things in our lives. Especially at the age y'all are now because there's so many things around you that just seem so appealing, right? And there's probably a lot of kids, a lot of students around you at school who have a lot more freedom than you do. But this freedom, it can be dangerous. You see, worldly things will not bring us the freedom that we are searching for. You see, to be, I said that we are a slave to something, right? We're a slave to our sin or we're a slave to, to righteousness, and to be a slave to the world is to be a slave to sin, right? If you are a slave to things of this world, you are a slave to sin. And to be a slave to sin is like being a slave to death, right? And death, that's not freedom, right? Death, sin, that is, that's not what freedom looks like. If we want true, everlasting freedom... If we want that peace that we seek, we must seek it in Jesus Christ. And we do that by confessing that he is our Lord and Savior, right? And being baptized in his name. So as I begin to close here, I'm going to go ahead and bite the band. Y'all can go ahead and get ready to come back up. I just want to ask y'all some questions as we get ready to close here tonight. We have one more song coming. You have a Lord. You have a superior power a master, and an all-powerful being named Jesus Christ who wants you to call him Father, who wants you to call him master of your life. So my question is, what master are you serving? Are you a slave to sin? Or are you a slave to righteousness? Are you seeking to satisfy your desires or are you seeking to serve your Lord? We all have a decision to make. And this decision can hold a lot of impact on the rest of our lives. So I just encourage you, 
as we go off into the week, as we go off into small groups tonight, that if you haven't made this, this decision to put Jesus Christ at the top of your life, that you talk to somebody about that, you see what that looks like, and you announce him as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all you do for us in our lives, Lord. We thank you for wanting to be there, for wanting to protect, wanting to guide and love us, Lord, and giving us the ability to call you Lord, Master, and Father. I just ask as we go into the night, Lord, that our eyes and our hearts stay set on you. Through small groups and the discussions we have, they're set on you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.